You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. It says this, Now he, he John the, or Zacharias, was serving as a priest before God when his division was on duty. According to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord to burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at that hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel, someone say angel, of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy, someone say joy, and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit of power. Someone say dunamis. And Elijah turned the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Verse 18. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Verse 19, look at this. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you good news. I came to tell you today, in 2023 was the year of dunamis. Now from here, we go in dunamis. The title of this message this morning is Go in dunamis, let's pray. So Father, we declare right now that your word is true. We declare, let every man be a liar. We declare your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would breathe upon your logos written word and I pray you'd become alive. Let it become rhema and revelation today. I pray right now you would give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds to understand what your spirit is saying. Lord, we declare we don't make room for you today, we give you the entire room. We say no spirit, but the Holy Spirit is welcome here. So I declare right now, spirit of fear, you must go. I declare anxiety, you must go. Any depression, you must go. We say, Holy Spirit, come, rule and reign. I pray right now, let the Prince of Peace come and be in this place with us. Father, I thank you, no one came to hear me. We all came to hear you. So we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Well, we have been stewarding a prophetic word all year long on the word of dunamis. What does dunamis mean? Dunamis means power, but it has many other meanings to it. And one of them is to strengthen and fortify. So we have been believing that we, had, we would be strengthened and fortified all year long in our faith. 
God first spoke to me about Dudamis in the fall of 2022. And I was in that side of the parking lot and I was walking around the church praying. And let me help you. If you ever want to hear from God, just come and start walking around this building and pray because I'm telling you, God will speak to you. He has spoken to me all around this building over and over. And I looked up at the building from that corner of the parking lot. I saw this picture right here. And when I looked up, I heard the audible voice of the Lord speak to me and say, I'm bringing dunamis to your house. And when I heard the Lord say he's bringing dunamis to this house, I knew that he was not just bringing dunamis to this house, but he was bringing dunamis to your house. So all year long, we have been strengthening and fortifying our faith through the teaching of the word. Now, I told you at the beginning of the year, I outlined the entire year, and I said, this is what we're going to teach you this year. And I want to do a look back real quick on what we said we would do and what we have done. So in January, put that timeline up, we released this prophetic word on dunamis, that dunamis would go from, from resting on you to abiding in you. Acts 2 moment of the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit becoming this indwelling dunamis power. Then we talked about how we would be strengthened and we would be fortified. And then we released prophetic words over the year. Some of these prophetic words was that we would strengthen our faith through the reading and the memorizing of Scripture. Come other, some other prophetic words is that we would have guerrilla-based warfare or that there would be spontaneous prayer moments that would break out all over the city in different departments. We've done this from prayer vigils to, to midnight hour worship sets to going to Austin once a mo month and having prayer strikes in the, in the city of Austin, our, our capital. We've done all of these different events. Another prophetic word that we had was that we would have joy and that joy would be our weapon. That we would strengthen and fortify ourselves through joy. I need more in the monitor. So these have been prophetic words that we have been stewarding all year. And when I get to the end of every year, I always do a, a self-reflection. I do a look back on how did I steward the prophetic words of the year. And I wanted to stop and I wanted you to ask yourself a question. How did you steward these prophetic words of these years? Because there's a lot of individuals that sit back, cross their arms, and they say something like, oh, I'll just see what God does. And you know what God usually does then? Nothing. Because he's always looking for somebody who will partner with him in what he says. And so I want to encourage you. We are in the 11th hour. Shake your neighbor and say it's the 11th hour. What's the 11th hour? I'm borrowing that from a Hebrew term. We get it from Matthew chapter 20. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus is telling a parable, and he's secretly in the parable. He's talking about a master that goes out to find workers in his field. And he goes out in the morning, and he says, hey, does anyone want to work in my field? And a bunch of people said yes, and they agree upon a wage. Then halfway through the day, he goes out and says, hey, does anyone want to work in my field? And a bunch of people said yes, and then he gets them to join him. And then the master does something wild. He goes out in the 11th hour. What is the 11th hour? The 11th hour is the time period where there's one hour of light left in the day, or you can only work for one more hour. So he goes out and gathers people to only work for one hour. Then at the end of the day, he goes and starts giving everybody their payment, and he gives everybody the same amount. And the people that work the whole day were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why are you giving these jokers that showed up in the last hour the same amount that we got working all day? In Matthew chapter 20, the master turned to them and said, hey, did I not give you what we agreed upon? 
do not take my generosity for granted. Because just because I want to give to someone else that did not work all day what I gave you. In verse 14, it says this, take what belongs to you. I choose to give the last workers what I gave you. And I am not allowed to do what I choose, what belongs to me, or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first shall be last. When I was praying for you this week, I felt in my spirit that God wanted to bestow some generosity in the 11th hour for individuals that want to steward prophetic words. And maybe you would say, I haven't done the best job stewarding the year of Deuteronomy. And I want to encourage you on Christmas Eve, God's got a gift for you. It's called the 11th hour generosity. And if you will partner in your heart, Lord, help me to steward these words over my life and my family, I assure you he's going to strengthen and fortify your faith. Anyone believes that, put your hands together and say amen. In January, we had our first ever 40 days of prayer and fasting. And I know it stretched a lot of people, but guess what? You spiritually grow when you're spiritually stretched. We did our solemn assembly where we started out in, in, in prayer every night at the church. We'll do that again this year. And then one of my favorite events all year long, we ended January with the Citizens of Life March, where we marched in Dallas at the same city, the same place that the death sentence of Roe v. Wade was declared. In the year that it was overturned, we declare life in the place that death was declared. How many were a part of the Citizens for Life March? In February, we strengthened our relationships. We fortified our, our, our relationships. We taught on the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We had our Heart for Mercy offering. Or excuse me, we had our, our Vision Sunday where we cast vision for the year. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there's no vision, people perish or cast off restraint. We declared that we were going to start a sports league this year. That we are going to start mercy culture communities that would be all over the United States that have already started. And that we would plant a campus in Dallas that was planted this October and is already thriving. Which will have some very exciting announcements coming up for Dallas real soon. In March, we had our once a year Heart for Mercy offering. At Mercy Culture, we don't take time to pass the tithes and offering plates. We, we trust that people will obey God with their tithes and offerings, that they'll walk in generosity and obedience all year long. But one time a year, we designate a service to come and bring God our first and our best. We call it Heart for Mercy. This year, we brought $2.7 million in our Heart for Mercy offering that has gone to strengthen and fortify this property. We taught on the joy of giving is when we give God our best. And when you don't give God your best, there's no joy in it. We taught on joy-based warfare, that joy is experienced in the pleasure of the Lord. We taught on repentance and how the Bible is the word of God. We taught on how the Bible is the most historically and scientifically accurate book in human history. There is no other book in existence that comes close to being compared with the historical and scientific evidence of the Bible. Why? Because man did not author it. It was authored by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible is God's holy word. Can I get an amen? In April at Easter, we taught on the joy of salvation. 
and how sin steals joy. But Jesus died and rose from the dead to return our joy. And we taught on eschatology or the return of Christ. I shared my personal view of eschatology is historical premillennial. And if you want to know why I don't uh, ascribe to the pre-trib rapture, you can go back and watch that YouTube video. We taught on what the Bible says on heaven and what the Bible says on hell. May was a big month at Mercy Culture. We taught on marriage and gender and what the Bible says about both. We learned when it comes to marriage and gender, we must be unconditional with our love for people while we remain unwavering in our loyalty to God's word. May we had marked conference and we saw a revolutionary bill passed in Texas, SB 14, that banned reassignment surgery on children. We taught on the seven spirits of God that became a song from a sermon. In June, we taught on strange fires. Strange fires when God is not in your worship, but you're doing it in his name. MC students had their first students conference called Holy Reckoning. In July, it was a summer of prayer where we stewarded that prophetic word on guerrilla warfare prayer. In August, we had our presbytery service and our family anointing service, which I love that service. And we began teaching on the full armor of God, how to strengthening the foundation of our faith through the full armor of God. In September, we saw 453 water baptisms take place in the month of September. We had our Mercy Culture Conference where we saw little Shiloh get on the stage and start running. That did not sound like Mercy Culture in that moment. I said at conference, we saw a little boy that couldn't walk get on the stage and just start running. I'd ask him to run again, but he's asleep in his mama's arm. You know you're a church kid when you're sleeping in the second service. In October, I preached a message that was the most viewed message of Mercy Culture this year called Back to Bail, where I taught on we're not in a cultural war, we're in a spiritual war. In October, we ran in storms in the funnest justice run we've ever had as we ran in the pouring down rain. In November, we finished the Full Armor of God series and the men of this church did another 40 days of prayer and thanksgiving where we walked around this church for 40 days thanking God and we ended here with hundreds and hundreds of men thanking God and worshiping their God as they are spiritually leading in their homes. And now in December, on this last service of the year in person, we're gonna continue Continue to strengthen and fortify our faith with the dunamis power of God. Church, 2023 has been a year of dunamis, but now it goes with you from here. We are not leaving dunamis in 2023, but now we enter every year in his power. Every year will be a year of strengthening and fortifying our faith in the presence of God, amen? I opened up with the scripture in Luke chapter one. This is a Christmas story. It's not the Christmas story that most people talk about. Usually they're talking about later in, in the chapter where the same angel, Gabriel, isn't going to Zechariah, but he's going to Mary. And he's going to Joseph, talking about that they would conceive and give birth to their son who would be God in the flesh, Jesus. 
But before the angel Gabriel goes to Mary and Joseph, he first goes to Zechariah. There's a story about a prophetic word bringing a life-changing message to a man and to a people. See, all of Israel had been waiting for the Messiah. But Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, was barren. Now, to a Hebrew woman, that did not just mean she couldn't have children. What that meant was this, is that her womb could not participate in the eternal plan of God. Because she couldn't have children, there wasn't a chance that she would be chosen to give birth to the Messiah. This was a big deal for all women. They're old in years, and the angel comes to Gabriel with a message. Now, he comes to a man named Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest in God's temple. He was a pastor. His name meant Jehovah is renowned or remembered. I wonder if he connected with God through remembrance. We are doing that as we worship today, remembering all that God had done for us. If you wanna learn how you best connect with God, or if you connect with God through remembrance, you can do that through MC Connect. He was faithfully serving the Lord when a messenger came to him. Heather opened up with a, a, a story about this morning on the trail, and I, I, I didn't plan on sharing it, but she did, and so I shared it with her, she shared it with you, so I guess I'm sharing it with you. And I wanna be careful how I say this because I, I, I cannot say with certainty that I have ever seen an angel, but I know I've encountered angels. I have felt them in the room. I have felt angelic beings many times. And this morning was a very interesting thing that happened. And I, I told Heather, I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you how I said it to her. I said, I'm about 90% positive I saw an angel this morning. And I woke up early and it was pouring down rain. And Heather said, are you gonna go running in the rain? I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go on the trail. God meets me on the trail, I'm going. And so I got geared up and I'm on the trail running really early this morning. And, and they're, are, they're doing some kind of marathon Christmas run that's out. And it was me and about seven people out this morning. There's one guy setting up the trail. It's pitch dark. I, I don't know if you saw how dark it was even when the sun was up this morning. It was dark this morning. And I'm on the trail and I'm running and, and, and I'm getting ready to come and minister to you. And so I'm just, just spending time with the Lord, loving on the Lord. And I'm, I'm on the trail and I look up and I see these two people jogging towards me. They're about 30 feet away. And it's, it, they're right behind each other running in sync right behind each other. And I looked down for a second because there's puddles everywhere and I'm trying not to destroy my shoes. And when I looked up to see the two people that I expect to be passing me, it was only one person. And I know for a fact, I saw two people. I saw two different entities, people right next to each other. And when I look back, and it, it was so odd to me that I even turned around and I was looking for the other person as they were passing me. And the next thing that went to my mind was, that had to have been an angel. And I don't know if this was a saint, but I got a friend who's ran on the tra trail before and seen just groves of people, armies of people running with him and he looks up and they're gone. I'm telling you, something's powerful about that Trinity trail. But we entertain angels, according to scripture, unawareingly. What do angels do? Their primary job is to bring messages. But Gabriel not only brought a message, but, a, but Gabriel was a high-ranking angel that we call an archangel. What is an archangel? An archangel is known for spiritual war and spiritual authority. 
According to scripture, we could only verify that there are two according to our scripture. Some theologians argue that, that Lucifer was an archangel because we know he was a high-ranking uh, angel himself. But, but in other rabbinical texts, you find more archangels than just the two, but we have from the scriptures, two that we could be guaranteed. And so we have this high-ranking archangel named Gabriel. What do we know about Gabriel? It's believed that in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, he brought messages of good news when the Lord returns. Here's what it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. For the Lord himself will descend from the heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, the sound of the trumpet of God. Theologians believe the same way Gabriel announced the coming of Jesus, he will be the archangel that will declare the second coming of Jesus. And how many know that Jesus is coming and he's coming soon? Gabriel was one of the ministering spirits that came, or ministering angels that came and ministered to individuals. He brought them messages that they were heirs of salvation. He was a messenger of mercy, grace, and love. And he was not a minister of wrath, but a minister of God's favor. Now, if you study ancient rabbinical traditions, they say other things about Gabriel. Now, I want to be careful because this isn't Bible. This is Hebrew rabbi traditions. They say that uh, Gabriel was one of the three angels that visited Abraham. That Gabriel... I, uh, identifies as the one angel who destroyed Sodom, the angel that Gabriel was the prince in the fire who cooled down the fire for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are some stories about uh, the angel Gabriel. But here's what we know for a fact, that he was a messenger and he brought messages to Daniel, Zechariah, Mary, and we allude uh, uh, Joseph as well. So what was this important message that Gabriel brought? He brought a message that they would go in dunamis. Let me show you. Luke chapter one, verse 17. Gabriel the angel is talking to Zechariah, the priest, John the Baptist's dad. Here's what he says. And John the Baptist will go before him with the spirit and power of Elijah. That word power is that same word dunamis. Here is the message. Your son will go in dunamis. And what happens when God's people go in dunamis? You will have joy. Verse 14, and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at the birth with, uh, excuse me, will rejoice in his birth for he will be great before the Lord. Kelly, come and join me on the piano. Here's what Zachariah said. He said, how can I be sure of this? It reminds me of a lot of your questions when I bring you a prophetic word or a word from God that it's gonna be a year of dunamis or whatever the word will be next year that some people say the same thing that Zacharias say where they said, how can we be sure? And I wanna let you know that faith will always require for you to step out in the unknown. But I love how Gabriel responded to Zechariah. Here's what he said. Look at the word of God with me. Luke chapter one, verse 18. How could I be sure of this? I'm an old man 
and my wife is well along in years. Verse 19, this is what the angel answered. He said, I am Gabriel. Look at this. I stand in the presence of God. I love that Gabriel's response wasn't to read out his archangel credentials. His response wasn't, do you not realize that I'm the one that went and spoke to Daniel? Do you not know who I am? Watch, his response was not in his title. It wasn't in his pedigree. It wasn't in his accomplishments. Here's what he said, watch. You can believe me because I came from his presence. Watch. He said the presence of God is what gives me authority. The presence of God is what backs me. I stand in his presence. And while I was standing in his presence, watch this, he told me to go make a reformer. He will be a one that will make the crooked way straight, who will prepare the way of the Lord. Church, we will forever go in dunamis in 2024 and 2025 when we go from his presence. We must be people of his presence. That our authority is not in the size of our church. It's not in the accolades of what we've done. It's not in our personal resumes. Our authority is that we are a people that abide in the presence of God. Then he speaks to us. We obey him. And we go in his dunamis power. We open this year by me praying a prayer of dunamis over you. And I want to close this year with praying a prayer of dunamis over you. Would you stand to your feet all over this place and just posture your hearts to receive? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Church, you will go in dunamis when you come from the presence of God. I said you will go in dunamis when you come from the presence of God. Mercy Culture Church and friends and families of our community, I pray over you today, no spirit but the Holy Spirit is welcome here. I pray right now, harassing thoughts, troubling in sleep, anxiety, depression, confusion, I even pray those that are struggling with suicidal thoughts. I pray right now over you life. And I pray the same life that came into Elizabeth's womb, I pray comes into your womb. We say no spirit is welcome. 
but you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would fill your people. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come like you promised. And I pray right now that you would dwell in them. Jesus, dwell in them like you promised. And teach your people how to dwell in you. I pray that you would abide in them. Teach them how to abide in you. Father, I pray right now, your dunamis power to strengthen and fortify them. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said amen and amen. Luke 1 is an amazing Christmas story. And it sets up for Luke 2. Where Jesus was born. They say it's a manger. It was really a grotto, a cave. And God took off his divinity, put on humanity, humbled himself, became flesh. Lived for 33 years. Never sinned. Was tempted, but knew no sin overcame sin, overcame death in the grave. He rose from the dead for our sins to reconcile you to the Father. We sang it this morning. There's only one way to God. It's not through Muhammad. It's not through Gandhi. You don't get multiple chances at this life. There's one shot. And it's not about being a good person. It's about being a saved person. It's about being a redeemed person. Listen to me. You cannot be good enough. I love the Christmas movies and they tell you if you do one good deed, especially on Christmas Eve, it will outweigh all the bad deeds. And it's not true. It's a cute little Christmas movie to help your kids be good but it won't get you into heaven. Good people don't make it to heaven. Saved ones do. Sinners that hung on a cross, watch, and in the 11th hour said, would you save me? I literally, I got a suit on, so you can't see it. I got goosebumps all over my arms right now. Are they on my face? I feel them on my face. I was trying to write a mini sermon. I didn't know why I put all of Matthew 20 in there until today. Because there's people in this room that you're in the 11th hour. Do you know the Bible says tomorrow is not promised to anyone? Something that we've learned is that people go too soon. We don't understand why. Tomorrow is not promised. The only people that go to heaven and spend eternity with God are people that are under the blood. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me one more time? We hope you've enjoyed this message from Mercy Culture Church. If this podcast has blessed you, we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend. To learn more about us, find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com.